0: I went through a whole wave of emotions right there and then accidentally kicked you out.
1: <laughs> I felt like I was kicked out. I kind of, I was like, okay, you guys are gone again. And then I looked and I was like, it's been disconnected. I was like, oh, okay. But to hear it was just me? Okay.
2: Yeah, it was just you. And I, I was like, Joe, it's always Julie. Why is it always Julie? Always
1: me. Always <laughs> me.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Real Talk Pod, your one stop shop for all the latest Hollywood news, films, trailers, all that fun stuff. Uh, even though we haven't been here in like three months. Uh, hi, this is, uh, your host, uh, Joseph Catherine. I am here with, uh, wait, wait, let me be sure that I get, I remember your names cause it's been so long. Um, uh, uh, uh is it is it Peter Ko- Ko- Kosav Oh, it... you're
2: so <laughs> <laughs> Hi, good <laughs> to be here. <laughs> <laughs> good but, to be here.
0: But it is uh it is Peter Kosanovich and also the one and only Julie Shapek.
1: Mm, no. <laughs> you can try again.
0: Um uh Sh- is the, is the K silent. Ooh. <laughs> oh, making it sound French. <laughs>
2: that was almost high school musical, like Sharpay.
0: Sharpay. Yeah, Sharpay. There, you, there we go. Uh, anyway, it's actually Julie Chapik.
2: Hey.
1: Uh,
0: this week, uh, we're going to kind of ease back into things. We haven't been around for a while. Um are going to talk about a couple little bits of news um, and maybe talk about – I, I want to talk about a film or two that has come out in the last – couple weeks slash months now we're going to talk about our best films of the decade so that's gonna be the uh crux of this episode but first off um i did want to talk about one bit of news um i don't know if you guys have been following the controversy surrounding richard jewell
2: uh
1: nope (laughs) all right um i i i want to see it
0: Okay. But, I mean, well, I, do, I, I haven't
1: seen any of the news around it.
0: So. Yeah. Well, y'all could get your popcorn and everyone else can too because it's, it's a whole lot of drama. Uh, before I even say anything else, I like Clint Eastwood does not have the best reputation when it comes to portraying women. Stop me if you've heard that sure. one before. I know. I know. Just, just, yeah. Yeah. I know you need a minute to, to collect yourself from that shocking revelation. Um, and the, in this film, he has uh, the reporter Kathy Scruggs – right, well, I, I should back up a little bit. For those who don't know, R- Richard Jewell is about uh, the, the real-life person, Richard Jewell, uh, played by Paul Walter Hauser. And he uh, saves lives at, in Atlanta at the 1996 Olympics, uh, the bombing uh, that occurred during during that Olympics, and then was falsely accused of being the bomber. Uh, because he was like the first man on the scene um, and the FBI and the media kind of crucified him and you know his reputation went through the muck and all of this blah 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 like you know then obviously he was exonerated because he didn't do it um, but it's uh it was a story from from the first moment that I heard about it and knowing that it was Clint Eastwood the one who famously Yelled at a at a ghost Obama in a chair at the 2012 Republican National Convention, uh, <laughs> which is a wild video. If you all want to go laugh and be sad that uh, a famous creator in Hollywood is thought thought it'd be a good idea to yell at a chair for five minutes, uh, <laughs> like an old angry white man. But I
1: yell uh, at things all the time.
0: Fair,
2: <laughs>
0: but not like an old angry white man.
1: Yeah, not like an old angry white man. Definitely not like an old angry white man, though.
0: <laughs> and so the controversy that has arisen uh, is the paper, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, uh, of which uh, Kathy Scruggs was a reporter for and who reported on uh, on Richard Jewell in the first place. Sleeps with an FBI agent in the film. Sleeps with an FBI agent. Uh, played by John Hamm, uh, to get a piece of the story, to get like, to get a tip, essentially. Um, and the AJ, AJC, Atlanta Journal Constitution, was not happy. You know, it sacrifices a lot of journalistic integrity for a scoop, so to say. But in the film, they play that for dramatic effect, uh, and it's turned into a big, into a big issue because the AJC wanted Warner Brothers to put, um, uh, a disclaimer in front of the film saying that the moments of the film were dramatized and, and ad, you know, created for dramatic purposes. It did not actually happen. Kathy Scruggs is, it, she passed away, uh, I think in the early 2000s. Um, so she's no longer with us. So she can't like come out and you know clarify the record herself uh but from her notes and from you know all of the reporting that they have at that time the ajc ajc has vehemently denied that uh that kathy scruggs slept to you know slept slept around to get ahead um and i tend to believe them given that it's clint eastwood and as i said or at the start does not have a good reputation portraying women as is um so it's just – it's put a sour taste in my mouth, especially right now when we really need the media and need to trust the media and and uh, how they report stories. Um, it's put a, a sour taste in my mouth that, that he would do uh, – have this character be portrayed in such a way. Um, and as you would expect, Warner Brothers responded and played the victim and – Criticized the AJC for for falsely accusing uh, uh, Richard Jewell of being the the bomber and like you know just bringing up hold, holding them accountable for something that happened twenty three years ago or whatever twenty four years ago to uh, exonerate themselves from what's happening right now, which is like nah, that does, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, Olivia Wilde did speak up um and her rat, her explanation for being affiliated and portraying this character i i didn't fully buy she said that she was misled uh on set and that apparently she was led to believe that Kathy Scruggs and this FBI agent had were in a relationship for like before all of this happened or something i don't know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um her explanation and it just it does make me I think I think in this whole thing, like I'm not surprised by Clint Eastwood and how he would portray this character and making this creative decision, uh or taking this creative liberty this in this kind of a way. I am surprised that Olivia Wilde went along with it. Um especially coming off of directing BookSmart. Uh this is the first thing that she's done since directing Smart, which I think is a wonderful uh female power anthem film that I mean is so liberating and so refreshing uh to to see and and you know something that is a it's a wonderful pulse of our of at least where our society should be and then to turn around and play this character like eight months later is Puzzling, to say the least. Um, so I just I just wanted to talk about that. I think it, it's an interesting s- story with drama, and it's I mean, yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely going to go into Richard Jewell with a lot of skepticism. You guys have any thoughts now that I have uh, brought you up to speed on what uh, uh, this this is going down with with Richard Jewell? I think that's um,
1: unfortunate that that's coming out now and she didn't really doesn't sound like she kind of she just kind of went along with it which means she's letting other people kind of control what she's saying which sucks.
2: I'm going to withhold judgment for the time being because this is my first time hearing about it and so I don't I haven't seen what Olivia Wilde's response was. I generally view her as an actor with some some more integrity within Hollywood so I want to believe what she's saying, but that said, to, it does not surprise me that Clint Eastwood exactly. like played the character that way, and that he might actually have deceived Olivia Wilde in such a way. Yeah. So I, I will say that 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 like from a Clint Eastwood standpoint, not surprised.
0: Yeah. Beyond that,
2: I will withhold judgment on the story.
0: Yeah, and I definitely don't want to make it sound like I'm more accusatory or 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 feeling more like Olivia Wilde is more responsible for this because she's not she she's doing a job she's portraying a character you know she's got to read the script and she's got to act out what you know what she's given um but yeah i just i'm i personally was surprised that uh olivia wilde was was willing to put her face uh to that character uh and let that character be portrayed in that way but anyway uh let's talk about before we talk about our, our films of the decade uh, it has been like three months or something since we last recorded an episode and lots has ha- lots of things have happened since then um Peter Julie, my question to you uh that and i can I could start what you guys think is to we should talk about uh like just one maybe two films that we've seen in the last three months that have really resonated with us that we would recommend. Uh, I can't do that. Oh boy. Okay. Well, <laughs> I moved to a new country. I'm broke. I haven't seen movies. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about a show? Do you, have you seen Have you seen anything in the last uh, last three yeah, months? I can talk. I
2: can talk shows. Okay. I can definitely talk
0: shows. All right. I mean, I I, I could start and and talk about uh, Marriage Story, uh, which is on Netflix right now and available for you to watch uh, at this very moment uh including you peter i think i think it's worldwide i don't think it's just u.s um yeah it's here yeah yeah uh um it's it's probably my number one american made film of the year as of this moment uh it's just i'd say probably i still need more time to digest it i i saw it uh, a week ago today yeah i'm probably going to revisit it tonight um Because it's yeah, but it's really it's really resonated with me over the last week. Um, It stars uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and it's a really simple film. It's it's from Noah Baumbach, director Noah Baumbach, who is uh, famous or renowned for creating these very simplistic yet elegant and and rich stories um, around something. Very intimate or, or very small, like um, *Marriage Story*. It's just the story of a divorce, essentially, and watching uh, a husband and wife uh, who spent ten years of their lives together kind of untangle themselves. And um, they ob- they have a kid, and they have to figure out how you know each parent gets to see the kid and and be with the kid, and how they have to see each other and and figure out. You know, figure out how to still have a life even though they no longer love each other. Um, the thing that Bomback does so well, and I was just watching before we recorded this, uh, I was watching a, a video essay on this, uh, for, for validation sake. <laughs> um, it's, he's really good at, um, uh, creating human, authentic, like authentic dialogue, it's just like what you would think people in the real world would say to one another and how they would say it, like the, the tempo of their conversation. Um, there's one scene in marriage story not to really try and give anything away. Uh, but there's a, there's a fight between the two of them, you know, spoiler, uh, but the couple going through a divorce gets into a fight shock. Um, but like how the fight plays out in the tempo of it and, the like the rhythm of it, you f- you feel the tension building and building, and it just gets more and more. The you know the emotions get higher and higher and higher, and it just continues to build. And it's just done so well. When at the end of the day, all it is is two people in a room talking. I uh, I mean to to create that much emotion out of the most simple aspect of filmmaking it's spectacular uh strong 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 recommend uh and it's actually a good netflix thing whereas like something like roma um is a film that i would say you really need to i mean i was saying when it was uh going around in theaters to go see it in a theater uh i think marriage story is a film that you can still fully appreciate um while sitting on your couch uh, and even at times getting distracted. Um, though I've, I will say I like, I watched the Irishman and I was getting distracted AF over three and a half hours. Uh, I watched marriage story and like 10 minutes in, I was, I was in, I phone was phone was gone. No, I, I think my phone fell on my couch and I just didn't care. <laughs> like, I'm, I am here. <laughs> I'm watching this. Um, so Peter, what about you? Show what you got
2: so i think the whew, okay so i think i think probably the two the whew, yeah okay so probably the, the best or most exciting show i've seen over the past few months was the second what season is it the third season i guess maybe yeah probably the third season of um shira and the princesses of power it's a uh, animated show on netflix it's produced by dreamworks it when when the series starts it it feels very 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 for kids. Um, but the character dynamics and relationships get increasingly complex and um, complex and mature. And it, it deals a lot of whether or not you can actually trust your friends or how good of a friend is someone if they're really just kind of a toxic influence on you. Um, so it's, it's a really unique show for like that is aimed at children um but it's really really excellent and i'm i'm loving i think i think that they really knocked it out of the park um this third season um with a lot of the character evolutions and and interactions um i I think it was really really quite exceptional so that was probably the one of the best things i've seen over the past few months
0: yeah (laughs) and uh julie what you got you got anything
1: well, okay, so it's the holidays, so I've mostly been watching Hallmark movies. I'm not going to lie. Fair. Um,
0: I will say uh, I watched the, Nightmare B- the Night Before Christmas, and for the record, night is spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. And I know which one you're talking about. I, I know. I know. I'm just making sure that the audience knows that it's a pun. <laughs> <laughs> that one was
1: – it was okay. I mean, they all so
0: end the same, funny, so – I know. The movie was so funny, right? <laughs> They're so clever. I've never heard that one before. I'm sorry, Julie. We're cutting you off. What What? Okay. What you got? What you got?
1: Um, so beyond those movies, obviously, Disney Plus has come out since we talked last. Never, never heard
0: of it. No idea what you're talking about.
1: You know, it's this thing. It came out. I've watched all the uh, classics already. Um, but what has taken the country, the world by storm is The Mandalorian mainly the baby Yoda show.
0: No idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> the baby Yoda show is amazing. I've really enjoyed it. So, I don't know, I don't know if you guys have watched it yet, obviously. You know, everybody kind of, kind of knows about baby Yoda. Um, but the show is actually really good and I've really enjoyed it. It's funny because I actually saw something on Facebook last night because obviously the new movies coming out on Friday.
0: I get um, to see it uh Tuesday. Be jealous
1: oh i am um my excitement (laughs) level is
0: not jealous level i know yeah i know i know you know because peter and i are gonna have discussions
1: (laughs) um so it it was funny because i was uh we were going to my friend's house and i was looking at facebook and the movie coming out next friday obviously the mandalorian new episodes are every friday well it literally crossed out the mandalorian it you know, wrote over Baby Yoda Show. And then it says, due to the um, release of that new Star Wars movie, the Baby Yoda Show has been moved to Wednesday. So in case anybody doesn't know, the new (laughs) Mandalorian episode is actually on Wednesday this week instead of Friday to avoid any uh conflict although i'll take yeah, I it, don't think, it i'll don't take think it baby to... Yoda two days early
0: yeah I, yeah i don't i don't think disney has to worry about conflict when it comes to baby yoda they think baby yoda will pull away from the money they'll make it theater. <laughs> That's the the yeah, thing yeah. they but...
2: missed
1: out on so much money not having baby yoda merch ready to go i know that i had uh... no
0: idea that this was coming and i love it It's so rare nowadays – this is like another soapbox, but still. It's so rare for like a corporate entity, especially one the size of Disney, to be like genuinely – for like no one in that massive company to be like, hey, I think this is going to become a sensation. We should be ready for it.
2: Well, especially
0: when they spend like the past
2: couple movies being like, look, Porgs. Look, BB-8. And then this time they're just like, oh, Baby Yoda. No one's going to want that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then like meanwhile you get Netflix who like the weekend – the Irishman comes out. They just have like 50 Irishman memes at the ready uh, to get to get the the social media conversation going. Uh, same with uh, Marriage Story. Meanwhile, yeah, Disney over here is like, oh crap, Baby Yoda. That's the thing. We need to make money off of it now. <laughs> but so
1: much money they were lost, especially with the business you and I are in.
0: Yeah, yeah. They
2: could have done it. Oh yeah. I mean. It feels good to watch Disney not do something right, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Yeah, it's like, I, it, I think if I'm being completely honest, it feels really good to watch Disney actually mess up.
0: I think I saw there actually a bit of news. I think it actually today uh, that uh, Frozen Two it cro- it crossed uh, officially crossed a billion dollars. Uh, at Disney yep. is the first studio ever to have six films cross the one billion dollar threshold in one year, and they're gonna have a seventh. In a week, well, actually five days, six days, whatever. Uh, so, so I think the previous record was like four, which I, I think also Disney had. But um, so they're fine; they are fine. And now we are going to talk about our best films of the decade. Um, I think actually, but before we like go into our list of the best, which uh, for the record, we none of us have uh, told each other what's on our lists so we're all going to discover with you the audience uh, and it'll be fun um but we're like our top list we're just going to talk about like 10 films that um have uh, nine films that have really at least for me have resonated like not necessarily i'm not necessarily looking at them as like oh this is the best made film this is the best technical whatever i was looking at like things that I've revisited and have you know, continued to think about long after I've seen them. Things that were inspirational for me um, when I was uh, when I was starting. I don't know. I don't know if that is that how you guys kind of approached your lists it was more like mine's, feelings than like mine's technical. Al-
2: Mine's right. a little bit of that, but a lot more technical, kind of looking at things that are of exceptional quality and things that I believe will uh, resonate and, and kind of last. Um, okay. For, for the most part, it's kind, of, it's kind of a, it's mostly that, but then a, a little bit of, but I keep revisiting and I really like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
2: it's mostly the form, a little bit the latter. Um,
1: Mine just bring yeah. me joy.
0: The, there that's you go. totally
2: justified
0: uh, yeah no I think i think peter you're you're kind of on one or more so on one side of the spectrum Julie you're on the other side and I think i'm i i mean I think all the films that I made are also wonderful technical masterpieces and uh but they've also really like that's one reason why they've resonated with me so I think I'm kind of in the middle uh so I think we'll get we'll get a good we'll get a good spectrum here
2: uh, I, I was gonna say i think I think um we should also mention that there were at least there there was at least one criteria that we had um, for for this um, was that um, we we determined that we were not going to include films that did not have some sort of, at least kind of major or wider spread release. So um, that means that unfortunately we will not be including Yellow Rose, which we raved about earlier um, in the year. And most, I think most of Joe's films that he saw at Cannes also do not count because they have not received a wide release yet. Um, that said, Yellow Rose does have um, distribution through Sony um, next year. Uh,
0: well, well. Uh, so two films from Can are on my list, but the one is just an honorable mention because of this. That uh, it's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, which is being distributed by Neon. Um, it's coming. It's going wide in February. Uh, I think on Valentine's Day was the latest date that I heard, but Neon doesn't seem to really know what they're doing with Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which makes me frustrated. Uh, that's, that's fair. Think, um, yeah, I've, yeah. That's another discussion, but I think, mm-hmm. I think Portrait is a film that Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I just, I was going to mention it as an honorable mention, which I think we can do for Yellow Rose as well. For me, Portrait is still my number one film that I've seen in 2019. I, it, it's, it, it, I think it's. I think it's just ahead of its time. I think it's. I think it's a film that in five or six years people will be saying, "Holy crap, this film is a masterpiece." Uh, but right now, I think Neon is just a little too, like this. Is is has been a little too timid in figuring out what they want to do with this with this film. Even though Neon didn't distribute it uh, or did not submit it to be France's submission for the Oscars. So you will not see it nominated for best foreign film at the Oscars. It did get nominated by the Globes. So that was my validation that other people see the mastery of portrait and also the mastery of yellow rose. I mean, that film is phenomenal and wrecked, wrecked us (laughs) like a freight train. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever cried more in a film than I did in yellow rose. Um, But um, yeah, do you – before – so those uh, – what's your other honorable mention, Peter? And, Julie, do you have uh, any honorable mentions?
2: Um, my other one was uh, Moana. Um,
0: oh, nice. I,
2: yeah, I, I love that movie. It's, it's a gem, a treasure. Um, the music is catchy. I think the story is really excellent and resonates. And it's Disney's really – like one of their first attempts at actually being culturally mm-hmm. respective to an indigenous population. Um, which I think is is a testament to time and how things have evolved. Um, and so I think that movie is really important, but also I absolutely love it so much. But I just could not quite
0: bring it into the top ten.
1: Mine were Moana and Coco.
0: <laughs> Love it! All right, we already got some overlap on our list, so we haven't even gotten to the yep. gotten to the ten.
1: <laughs> They're just such good movies, but I agree that I just wasn't ready to put them on like my best of.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll we'll go into. I guess what should we go like one? You know, we, let's each talk about one film at a time. Um, that's a, that's in our list and kind of. I think we can go through maybe five and then we're also – then we'll talk about our worst films, underrated films, and overrated films um, before wrapping out our list. Does that sound good? Sure. All right. Sure. Um, so for me, I couldn't put these in any order besides for what I just decided is my movie of the decade. Um, uh, so I'll just go back and I'll go sequentially. Um The first film on my list to talk about would be, uh, Disney Pixar's Toy Story 3. Um, that film came out, uh, summer of 2010. Um, and it was perfect for me. It's the perfect timing for me because in that film, I'm sure as everyone remembers, but it's Andy goes to college and, uh, is learning to leave or there's, grappling with leaving his childhood behind and moving on. And the toys are coming to, to grips with that. And, um, that was exactly what was happening to me in the summer of 2010. So like I went and saw this movie, which, I mean, I was raised on toy story and it's a huge part of my childhood. When I think of all the animated films out there, toy story would probably be the one that's, that's resonated with me the most. Um, and I watched that in the theater with my mom, and we cried a lot. <laughs> we, we were balling. Uh, that last – the last scene uh, – I guess the movie's been out 10 years, so I could – spoilers. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> like when when Andy hands the kids over to – I don't remember her name, but the, the girl, um, like that whole scene that's like eight minutes long or something, like crying – from the moment it starts to five minutes after it ends. It's one of the most emotional scenes I've seen in a film and it meant so much more to me in that moment, um, than it might have for others. But yeah, it's definitely for me. It's, it's my favorite animated film of all time. Uh, story well, story 3. so we
1: already have overlap.
0: All right, Julie, go uh, ahead.
1: I also listed toy story three on my list. Um, I'm a couple years older than you guys. Um, so I was <laughs> no, you're in not. the working world. I was in the working world by then. Um, so I remember <laughs> sitting at my desk at work the a couple days before it came out, um, ordering the tickets. And I too loved it. Um, and at the end, I too cried <laughs> entirely too much. Um, but I agree that last scene where, you know, he's playing with the toys again and Things like that. It it was a, rem- a reminder of like when the first two films came out. It was a great ending for me. Obviously, fast forward, we have number four now, um, and we all know I'm angry about it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm still angry. That um, has not passed. Um, but yeah, it was it was one that you know brought up childhood, and you know as an adult, I appreciated you know kind of a, a little bit of closure that it gave me.
0: Yeah, um, that's a closure. That's a good word. It gave
1: closure. Yeah. I mean, they did just rip open the wound and, you know, kill it for me. But, um, yeah, I was I was not surprised that we would have overlap on that one. I was hoping we would have overlap on that one. Now, it would be great if Peter had it on his list, but I'm going to guess he doesn't.
2: You would be correct. But I can put out a movie from the same year to keep that trend going, All I right. guess. Um, what totally got? different though I'm going to go with Black Swan oh okay alright <laughs> good, good yeah. choice yeah. I did not
1: put that on mine but that's a um,
2: great choice yeah I, I, I remember seeing this movie with, with my friend and we, we had the weirdest double feature we went and saw this movie and then we decided we were really depressed after this movie and went and rented rented uh, How to Train Your Dragon from Redbox and so that was our, that was our double that feature
1: that is a fair double feature situation right there <laughs>
2: Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you would agree. Um, but so I, I went with Black Swan because it was, that was, th- that came out during my first year of undergrad and um, I was just about to switch to a film major. And so this was one of the first films that kind of just uh, hit like at that right moment of me starting to look at film more critically as opposed to just being more of a fan Um, and so the watching, watching the acting and the cinematography and the, the, the way that the character interactions worked out and it was, it was one of the, one of the first films I saw that was kind of like that, uh, kind of dark and twisted in, in a way where you, you, you just saw the character kind of just completely fall apart and, but in a weird, beautiful way. Um, and so, yeah, that, that movie just hit me kind of at that right time as I was becoming a film major. So, yeah. So, again, like, great time for me.
0: So, I think that's, that's going to be a lot. That's going to be a theme for us over these films. But, uh, uh, I say that and immediately I'm going to not continue that theme, but stay in the same year, uh, 2010, uh, with one, actually, it is a similar theme. I think this is one of the films that I, uh, like, are one of the reasons I fell in love with cinema, uh, would be, uh, the social network. it's has Jesse, I, uh, I was about to say Jesse Iceberg, Mark Zuckerberg and the start of Facebook, <laughs> though they take many creative liberties in that story. And I think, it, I think it's more a story of friendship and like coming the how and, and like watching, uh, a, a that fall apart and, um, and seeing that play out over two hours uh, is really, at least for me, was was it's very. I think I think it's more about that than it is about Facebook and the starting of Facebook because a lot of that was exaggerated. Uh, but it is a w- once in a generation collaboration that we may never see again between director David Fincher, screenwriter Aaron Sorkin. Um, they are like their styles to me are bread and butter and, but they're, they have, they're also alphas. So they don't, (laughs) the, from what I've heard, the, the collaborate, the collaborative process on social network was something, uh, it was good some days, bad other days. So I do not expect to see them get together anytime soon. Uh, but they did give us an awesome film. Um, that for me, at least really sets the stage for what college is, is, like, like, or the, what Hollywood thinks college is like. Uh, it's definitely my, my reference for Harvard, what going to Harvard is like. <laughs> <laughs> um, even if, regardless of whether that's fair or not. Because you
1: went to Harvard?
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wish. No. Um, not smart enough, but, um, it also has like my favorite or one of my favorite scores in a, in a film ever between, uh, which was done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails, uh, that, that score for social network is just so mind blowing and so unorthodox and it works so well for that film and like. Nowadays at least I think of when I think of a David Fincher film or like when if I watch a, a video essay on David Fincher or something you can almost guarantee that the social network score is what's being played underneath it um but yeah so that's that's my uh, my other film from 2010 uh anybody have overlap with that one I didn't.
2: I, I then, also I also did have overlap with that one so, so I guess we will put that on our list Nice
0: Anyone else want to add anything to it than from what I just said? I think it shows
1: kind of what the the evolution of, you know, especially our generation. Um, We can all appreciate that in multiple levels. It was a great movie. Um, It was great to see elements of, you know, their lives and developing it. But we all three still use that platform a decade later. And so I think that to have a movie about that so early in its existence, I mean, I know it was around back in 2006 or yeah, 2006. So, but still, it obviously it stuck with us all. So that's my opinion.
2: Yeah. What what I'll say is that the first time I saw this movie, I actually hated it. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I, I thought it was I, I didn't hate it. I thought I thought it was fine. I thought it was very overrated. Um I, I didn't care for the score. The score has grown on me. Um I do like it. I still think it shouldn't have won. I think how to Train Training Dragon should have. Um but the the more I come back to the film, the more I appreciate it. Um, like Julie said, like it, it is a testament to the platform, even if the platform is a bit of a shit show at the moment. But it it is a testament to the platform. And I, I think that what Joe was articulating about kind of the craft and how well it was made overall is just something really phenomenal. Like I, I, I think it's a shame that Fincher and, and Sorkin haven't gone back to collaborate again. Cause I think this is easily in, in terms of like film, like, cause you could still look at Sorkin's television work. But I, I think in terms of film, this is their, e- both of their best works. Yeah. Um, easily, yeah. And I don't, I don't even think it's really that close because Fincher has a way of getting visual to work out, um, like to, to manipulate and, and get visuals to work. But his, his dialogue sometimes feels very, either cliche or, or mechanical um, mechanical. Yeah. Um, But then Sorkin, he, 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 he's so talk heavy that sometimes his scripts kind of lack any visual interest and, and
0: see Molly's game
2: Fincher. Yeah. And and so, and so Fincher brings the best visuals out of, of what is a fantastic script. So I think that I, I, I think that the two of them, like bounced off each other so phenomenally and, and I almost put this as my top movie, but I, I, I couldn't bring it up nearly that high. Um, but I, I do think that for it to have sustained since 2010 and for us to yeah. all three of us to have put it on our list, I that think says that's something. really saying something about <laughs> <Yeah>. the film. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't know what else we might have in common, but the fact that all three of us put that one yeah. is enough to say that it should be on here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That um, I was actually i was genuinely impressed that we all put that one on on this uh list together um he
1: was impressed on my list
0: (laughs) (laughs) and and also think about the careers that started in that film uh jesse eisenberg had already been around and that's definitely jesse eisenberg's best film by far uh but i think i mean that's that film one of
1: justin's early yeah
0: jt Um, that was like rooney mara broke broke out Oh, my gosh. Um,
2: that, also, let's talk about how that opening scene is now the most used scene in all of film schools. Yeah. Like, it's you're so doing good, a though. scene analysis. You're doing a script analysis. You're doing, like, you're in a screenplay writing class. Whatever it is, you use that scene. Cause it's, because it's, it's arguably brilliant. the best
0: thesis for a film, like, the the laying the foundation for what the film is going to be and what that – what's going to drive – Jesse, I uh, keep wanting to say Jesse Eisberg, drive Mark Zuckerberg's character. It's it's like the best thesis for that in a film I've ever seen in that, in like a five minute sequence. It's so good. Um, and also, let's not forget Andrew Garfield and my boy Armie Hammer both got started with that film, and that's great, and I love them, and they're still going strong. Um, but I think this next film, I'm going to be uh, on an island With this one, but this film came out in 2011 and actually, ironically, is also an Aaron Storkin uh, script. Though this one, he. Oh, you
2: you might not be alone on this one.
0: Oh, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say uh, it. Moneyball. (laughs)
2: Yes, yep. you and I overlap with that one.
0: <laughs> yep. And but this one it's the same thing. What we were talking about with collaboration, uh, to get uh it's Stephen, uh I'm gonna butcher his last name, but but Zalian, uh, who is a favorite of um uh Martin Scorsese, uh and and has also done uh what was it A Beautiful Mind and some other really famous uh uh scripts. Uh he collaborated with Sorkin on this to kinda help Which I think makes makes a big difference with this um, with the dialogue of Moneyball. It's not too overwhelming. I think if if it was, um, the film wouldn't have worked as well. But for me, I love baseball, so uh, this already starts on a on a good uh, on a good foot on the right foot. Uh, But I love baseball. I love Sabermetrics and how this film shows Sabermetrics and shows the, uh, benefits, the advantages and disadvantages of it. Um, it, and it's, it's in its very, at least to me, uh, un- unorthodox, unusual story structure. Cause it doesn't have like a, a happy ending, so to say. Um, it, like the, it, the arc of that story. Uh, and ends on a low note instead of a high note. And that's so unlike Hollywood, especially in a, especially in a sports film, like to end on a, on a low note in a sports film. You, I mean, I can't even think of another sports film that doesn't end with the, you know, the good guys winning or whatever. Um, so I, and like Brad Pitt is so good. Uh, Jonah Hill's great. And of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it and he is his usual wonderful self also
2: um, don't forget that
0: chris pratt chris pratt the one and only that or scene, we can't forget
2: about him because i find him problematic now
0: well <laughs> uh, that that scene where hatterberg hits the home run for uh for, for uh, what 21 straight games or uh, 21 straight wins is so good i still every time with the score and the build-up in the score and like the silence when the balls leaving the bat it's it's also, like the best thing about baseball is when you hit a baseball and you don't know if it's going to be a home run or not, assuming, you know, your guys, the one who hit it, um, that moment, you know, waiting for the ball to go over the fence is like my favorite thing about the sport and how they play that in Moneyball is just that if I had, like if I had to make a list of the best scenes of the decade, that would absolutely be on the list. Um, but Peter, why is it on your list? I'm actually a little surprised that it is, to be completely honest.
2: No, that's fair, because I hate baseball.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've ever (laughs) talked about baseball before.
2: Yeah, I hate the sport. I think it's so boring. I can't stand it. But that's just me. I think the movie is phenomenal. Um, I think that the screenplay is actually kind of an an underappreciated masterpiece of Sorkin because it's very contrary to what he normally does. Which is, yeah, it's still it's still got a lot of dialogue, but, like, everything else he writes is very fast-paced. Like, it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And, and that's even still the case for the the social network. Like, you have um, Jesse Eisenberg deliver Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield. And, I mean, just look at the opening scene of that film, and it's just, like, dialogue, la- layered on dialogue, layered on dialogue. Um, and it's, like, it's great, but it's so much. And... For Moneyball, he slowed everything down. the The pace of the film is just like half the speed of what he normally does, and I think that is absolutely incredible. And it the the there there's a strange beauty to the way that this film it, it is really about the, like the metrics of it, but then it, it it poeticizes metrics, and I think that is something really unique that I, I haven't seen before, and. I find the whole film really calming for some reason. Like don't ask me why, but I find it a really calming, relaxing film. So I, I just keep going back to it and going back to it. And it's just something that relaxes me, um, as a whole. And I also think it's one of Brad Pitt. I think, I think it actually could be Brad Pitt's best performance, um, that I've seen him do. Cause it it was like the first time that we see him not as like the hot guy.
0: Yeah. A hunk. Yeah.
2: Like he's, he's been a good actor and he's been a good actor even when he's playing the hunk. But like, this was the first time where it's like, nah. You're a washed up, <laughs> yeah, semi older dude. You're washed up, you're middle age, go with, with it. a high school diploma be,
0: and yeah, a daughter you'd like to send and, to college. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. And it's it, it was it was very contrary to what he normally plays. Um and, and it was the first time I took him more seriously as an actor. I'm like, Oh, okay, like you've been good, but you're actually good in this. Yeah. Um yeah, and and I, I just I, I really appreciated the nuance with which he delivered that character, and yeah, it's not, it's not, the the way that they managed to poeticize the whole thing, which, for a sport that I do not like, I find that even more impressive. Um, so yeah, I, I I enjoy this movie. I think it is a gem of a film, and I go back to it all the time.
0: I love it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Julie. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that film does not overlap on your list. So it what... was,
1: it was not on my list. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought,
1: I thought I did think about adding it. It just oh. didn't do what it did for you guys to me. Yeah. Like fair. I said, my list, is, my list brought me joy.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what, so, what other, what else brought you joy? Um, this is one of me... the films for
2: me that brought me joy. Yeah. Like, this was one of my joy films. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'm going to pick one that probably I think won't be on your list. Um, I'll just go with Bridesmaids.
0: Ooh, interesting. You are correct. That is nowhere near my interesting. list. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that film brought me an immense amount of joy. I, I gotcha. I gotcha.
1: Um, just because I, I don't know about you guys, but over this last decade, a lot of my friends have gotten married. Um, there has been a lot of, you know, bridal showers, bachelorette parties, weddings, all that, and it's something I could relate to. Um, and so... You know, thinking back over the last ten years, I've probably watched that movie. You know, ten times at least once a year, um, and I enjoy it every time. So when I was trying to think of like movies that, you know, stuck with me over the last ten years, that was one of them.
2: So interesting, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that's good, that's good. That's um, totally fair. That also that was I, the film that started a really broad – it's it's Paul uh oh my god what's the name Paul is it Paul Feig? Paul Fig. yeah Paul Feig. brought him to the forefront that was his coming coming out party wasn't it isn't it Bridesmaids yes yeah pretty sure yeah. yeah um so and he's definitely uh a an upper echelon uh movie maker now so uh yeah that's uh goes to show the the resonate or, or the staying power of that film um but I'm gonna jump ahead a few years now so we're in 2011 we're now going to 2014. Uh, with one, for, for me, this film was my number one best film I'd ever reviewed for several years. Um, it is Damien Chazelle's first film, or second film, uh, his, but his film that really brought him to the forefront of, uh, Hollywood and, and his relevancy that he is experiencing slash enjoying right now. Uh, this is, of course, Whiplash. Uh, written and directed by Damien Chazelle, miles teller JK Simmons uh Melissa Benoit uh Paul riser uh it's it like this the emotional journey that this that film takes me on like watching like it's something that I can really relate to just to like strip myself down for a second like I've always felt like I have a drive in me to like better myself every. Like, every day, like, it's something that I just can't, like, a switch that I can't turn off. It's, like, watching, like, you know, someone succeed, but at what, you know, the, what cost to himself that he has, like, that he has in the process of trying to achieve his goals. Um, like, the at the end of the film, there's this amazing, like, eight-minute sequence rendition of Caravan uh, that is phenomenal. It's so well shot. It's so well executed and like you feel so uh like overjoyed for My- miles teller's character uh andrew as he is like sticking it to uh, uh sticking it to fletcher jk simmons and like fletcher realizing that this is his through chair uh at, at his face moment and he's rising to it and uh, andrew's rising to it uh and like starts to support him and and you know get get him going but then there's this shot of Andrew's father uh Paul Reiser's character Jim and it like he doesn't recognize his son and it gets me every single time because it's like you're feeling so happy for for him and so yeah so overjoyed and then that shot it's like Oh that's right. But in order to achieve this, he had to push away everyone he loves and everyone he cares about and like now his now his father doesn't recognize him anymore. And it's a great moment something Giselle does so well with another film that you know is on my list that we're getting to. Uh <laughs> but um I I love it. I like the first time I was one of the, one of the best first watch experiences too, for me, cause I didn't know what I was getting into. And like, I was watching it on a computer screen and I like five, 40 minutes in, I was like hunched over the computer screen, like <laughs> getting as close to it as I could just going through the whole journey of that film. Cause it is, it is a trip. Um, but anybody else have uh whiplash on their list or am I on an island on this one?
2: I did not. Uh, I also did not.
0: I'm on an uh, island. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> All right. So uh, what else? What else you got, Peter? What you got?
2: Um. So, so the next one I have is um. I've met, I think I've mentioned it a few times on the show. Um. Or at least I mentioned it to Joe before. It's um. Uh, Short term twelve. Oh yes, yes,
0: yes. Which came out
2: in twenty. Have you seen it yet?
0: I am. I am ashamed to say that I have not. But. I need to. Rude. It's on my list. I, I know.
2: <laughs> um, okay. So it's, uh, so, so the film is from 2013. It is written and directed by, De- by Destin Daniel Cretton, um, who is now working on a upcoming Marvel film um, for a fun fact. Um, it also stars Brie Larson. There you go. Um, yeah, no, this, this film, it's, it's really exceptional. Actually, it, 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 <laughs> The, the cast is, like, an unsung who's who of, like, of rising stars. So it, it has Brie Larson. It has Caitlin Deaver from uh, from um, Booksmart. It has Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Rami Malek. Um, and it also introduced the world to Lakeith Stanfield. So, like, yeah, th- this movie had, like, a ton of, like... But the, essentially the, the film was about, like, a, a group counselor at a um at a like foster like group foster facility um for at-risk youth um and that's brie larson and she's trying to navigate the waters of like making sure that these kids are okay that they're staying off the streets that they're um kind of in recovery or working towards like like bettering themselves um like being able to survive on their own sort of um but then also like navigating like kind of the disaster that is her life um and it's just so phenomenal. It came out like a year or something before um, Room, which Brie Larson won the Academy Award for. And honestly, like she should have won it for this it, it, super, super indie film. It's amazing. The acting is it, it, just phenomenal across the board.
0: It's also on Netflix. So I've added it to my list officially and we'll be watching it very soon because, yeah, the, the stars, the star power of it is enough to get me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But- Julie, what else you got? What you got?
1: So the one that is on my list that I know isn't on your list, I know hundred percent it isn't
0: on your list. Okay,
1: is Mary Poppins Returns?
0: Yeah, that's not on my list. You would be correct. No, (laughs) and you would definitely be correct.
1: You guys understand why it's on my list. Um, It's just it. Mary Poppins is one of my favorite all-time movies, and so this one obviously brought up you know memories as being a very small child um and it just made me happy you know i went and saw it and i was very happy and i've watched it probably three or four times since so yeah it was a great movie for this year for me so or right. what
0: yeah, uh this well uh to keep it going i will continue my damien chazelle theme and probably possibly surprise peter by the fact that this film is not my movie of the decade uh if
2: i'm glad it's not i
0: know you're glad it's not uh but for me la la land is it it it, it's definitely in my top three if i had to if i had to make rank them uh this would be would it surprise
2: you if i said this is not my most overrated film
0: uh actually (laughs) a little bit a little bit, a little bit.
2: Um, it, it almost was, but it's not. Yeah. So
0: I'll let you keep going. I I, I I hope part of the reason why it wasn't uh, your overrated was because uh, you knew it would be in my top ten. <laughs>
2: no, I actually find this to be a good movie. I just didn't think it deserved all the praise it got. But I do find it to be quite good, yeah. so I didn't I, I, I didn't want to justify it as being the most overrated film because I did think it was actually quite good, and I did enjoy the film a lot. So yeah. I, I don't dislike it. I just didn't think it got I – I don't think it quite earned the praise that it got.
0: That's fair. But uh, for me, I I love it because I love how it paints L.A. Um, Like how La La Land shows L.A. and utilizes and romanticizes uh, L.A. Uh, That is for me the best uh, romanticization, if that's a word. I'm making it a word, of L.A. that I personally have ever seen. Um, And uh, it's not necessarily – you know, how one wants to think about L.A. They might want to think about it more in a nitty-gritty, uh, like, noir-esque tone. Uh, there might be more dynamic portrayals of L.A. in thing, in those kind of films. Um, but uh, for me, I, just, I love the city and how it looks. And it's right from the opening shot. You get that first big sequence with Another Day of Sun on the, um, on the four Oh five, uh, uh, inter interchange that like, I watched that film with my dad who lived in LA on well, Huntington beach, but lived in the LA area, um, for many years of his life immediately, you know, within 15 seconds of that sequence, was like, Hey, I know where they are. And like, cause they really, they filmed that on, uh, on, on the, one of the busiest, uh, intersection or exchanges overpasses of, uh, Los Angeles. Um, so, and I love the music. I love every song. Uh, I know every song. I could sing every song, uh, regardless of, well, I'm not going to right now, for just for you. Um, I know people complain about Gosling's voice or even Emma Stone's voice. Uh, I've heard people complain about hers too, but I, I don't care. Their, their pairing is wonderful. This is by far the best thing that they did together or have done together. I'm sure they will continue to do things together. Um, that's, that, I'll get off my high horse for a la lot la land quickly. Cause I, I know I'm, I'm probably actually, Julie is la la land on your list or, or it am I?
1: Sure is.
0: Oh yeah. We got, we got one. So yeah, you want to add anything to the la la land um, discussion?
1: No, I just agree that the music was great. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Emma stone. I, <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about it, but we'll keep it that way. Um, but I thought this movie was great. Um, Ryan Gosling was great as well. I think together, you're right. The best movie they've done together. Um, and they've done a, several. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed it. It was good movie, great music. Um, didn't overdo it for me.
0: And this, this film is the film for me, at least when it comes to Damien Giselle as a filmmaker. Uh, this is his, his pierre de résistance to make it sound fancier than it actually is. Like, hit the, just the, this is, this is one I will defend the, the technical aspect of it. Like, I think this is the best shot musical or that I've personally have ever seen. Um, I just how it's filmed and I mean, some of it is a little showy like the opening sequence is 5 minutes of of uncut on uh, un, you know a 5 minute long take but like all the things that happen in that and you think about how they would have happened and like i love when the 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 truck comes up and the guys are are banging on the drums for like that little solo that little uh breakdown whatever like you could see their sweat because they actually shot on set and it's like a hundred degrees and they're sitting inside a box truck <laughs> waiting for that moment to dance and they can't help but sweat through their shirt because it's a hundred degrees out it's LA. So it's, I just love things like that, that I've just noticed from watching it 17 million times. But uh yeah. All right, Peter, what, what else you got?
2: <laughs> uh, Well, I'll I'll, I'll... I'll stick with the same year at least um and I'll go with moonlight
0: um that, all right uh, that's on my list too. we got over, I, I, that would not be fair for me to put La, La Land on here and not put moonlight on here, so yeah, go ahead
2: okay. um yeah, so I guess I'll stick with the same year and I'll also say moonlight um and I, I, one of the things I loved about this film was it there was like no plot <laughs> it it was, it was it was a slice of life told in three segments at three different points in this guy's life. Um, and I thought the simplicity of that was, was really refreshing, but I, I loved how each, you could almost call them a vignette or almost, but like, I loved how each, each third of the film, like, dealt with very complex, specific emotions that, like, you're, you're, you get as this kid is, is, is starting to grow up and you, and you get that his, his home life is terrible and how complex it is for him to essentially be taken in by a drug dealer and praise Mahershala Ali. God, like that. <laughs> such in that movie. a great performance. He was, ba- he was barely in that movie. Yeah. And like that, that's almost the performance of the decade for me. like, just, yeah. ah, man.
0: Um, I will not dispute.
2: <laughs> good. Um, but then, so, you, like, you have that as the first third, and then you have the second, like, the second third of him kind of discovering his sexuality a little more, and the third the third, third is kind of pairing those two together, but him as a fully grown man. Um, and kind of watching how that evolved through the film, um, but then also knowing how, how beautiful the screenplay was and how, how wonderfully it was shot, but then also knowing a little bit kind of behind the scenes of how, compl- like, crazy it was to shoot that, because Naomi Harris, who plays his, the boy's mother, they, they, they had issues securing her visa so they shot all of her scenes in one weekend because that was all they could get her for wow
0: and that's also a phenomenal performance i wanted her to
2: win the oscar for that performance she was phenomenal and she did that in one weekend like she did she did her as like kind of a younger mother as like kind of falling apart mother middle-aged and then older mother in kind of a home situation like they did all three of those in one weekend because they could not secure a visa for longer. Um, and, like, knowing those kind of constraints that went on behind the scenes for this film, it just adds kind of that level on top to, like, what is already just, like, a, a brilliant masterpiece by, by Barry Jenkins. Like, that film is just phenomenal. Yeah. Start to finish. And the score is incredible, too. Yep.
0: That one of my – if, if, if uh, Social Network is my number one score, this is probably my number two score of the decade. Um, it's definitely up there in that conversation, um, and yeah, I I love I love this. This is for me. This is Barry Jenkins' masterclass because I think he he was more. I, I want to make it sound like I'm about to criticize Barry Jenkins because I'm not. But like, if Beale Street could talk, the visuals of it were so breathtaking that they were at, like they were distracting for me. Uh, yeah that's that's one of the things i love about kind of the smaller indie
2: films <laughs> like like so 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 moonlight and short term 12 they feel so indie that that's kind of what makes them so beautiful like yeah. there's yeah. nothing overly complex they're not they're they're not set up with some like exquisite like pristine setup and perfect lighting they look flawed and they yeah, look they look perfect. and and that is i think that is one of the other things i love so much about short-term 12 and moonlight both of them like yeah they're they're just they, they feel so raw and imperfect and that's that's what makes it even better for me
0: yeah heard <laughs> um yeah so that's on my list uh julia did that make your list too or no it no? did not what else I'm you got sorry what what
1: um I've been trying to pick ones that I didn't think would be on your list, your guys's list so we could kind of avoid overlap when people do overlap. Um but we're hitting the end of that list. You got um, this. Um Silver Lining Playbook.
2: Okay. All right. I did um, uh, it's not correct. I do not have that. I almost yeah. put a different film. I I almost put a different film by that director, but You
0: almost I, put American I, Hustle on there
2: no because i don't no. like that film that much okay. i almost put the fighter because i thought that right. was christian oh. bale's best yeah. performance
0: yeah mm-hmm. but yeah silver Lining's playbook is great and tell us about it um <laughs> why I it's mean, on your list
1: silver Lining's play I, so i love jennifer lawrence and oh god why am i drawing a blank on his name right now bradley cooper bradley cooper oh i don't know how i could forget that oh, yeah. um it's all good <laughs> but i love them together um I love them together more than I loved the relationship between Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga in, you know, A Star is Born. That did not make my list. I don't know if it made your guys' list. It did not make,
0: did not make mine. Um, nope. I
1: didn't think it would. Um, but I just love them together. I think the movie was great. It it tackled some difficult issues in a way um, with, you know, mental illness-ish um, items you know divorce and how they get through it there it, and it had its funny moments and it it's nice that it you know it was serious and funny and you know it ended the way everybody hoped it would in the end but it took a long time to get there I feel um but it was nice to see the characters develop over the time so I just really enjoyed it it's one that I I've watched multiple times over the decade um so that's why I added it to my list
0: um, so before we keep going, I've got four films left to talk about on our list, including the film of the decade. Let's, let's rush through our, uh, I have five, you have five, have Peter, talk include, about one of them. Include,
2: including my, 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 my top. Okay. Um, throwing, throwing one more in before, um, before, before we separate it. Um, I'll, I'll go with, uh, Hell or High Water. Um,
0: Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would not have guessed that one. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's. I, I, I don't know what it is about it. Like, I, I, I think I, I watched part of an interview with, um, with the screen with the screenwriter Taylor Sheridan one time, and he, um, he really, his philosophy on screenplay writing is don't make anything overly complex. He started as an actor, so what he does is he writes really simple scripts as great as he can and i think that is a brilliant way to go about it. so i mean i think now he's getting a little more complex and the films are maybe getting a little out of his hands. um but heller how water i think i think the combination of him and, and the director he collaborated with um who i'm losing his name at the moment. um but it, uh, ben mckenzie i think that was it maybe. um but uh yeah no it's it's just a really simple story that's just executed really really excellently and i think that was um Kind of, uh, kind of, again, like Moneyball, like I was saying, that was Brad Pitt's best performance. I think this was Chris Pine's best performance that I've seen him do in a film, and this is kind of what made me start taking him more seriously as an actor and being like, oh, no, you're, like, legitimately talented. Um, I don't know, the simplicity of it and kind of just how it hits at the right moments of how there are these little pockets of America that have been kind of left behind or they've been abandoned or they've been completely taken advantage of. And I, I thought that was just a really... Um, not quite humble story but like a really humbling story that it just it 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 just works and I, I thought the film was absolutely beautiful um i thought the cinematography was great um and i thought the acting um from from the two leads um was just uh terrific and, and the more and more i watch it the more and more i love it like the yeah. first time i saw it i thought it was terrific and then the more i go back I'm like yeah like <laughs> he just reaffirms what i thought <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's. Uh, uh, I I will say I loved it. Uh, it hasn't resonated with me as much as it, it as it has. So that's why it's not on my list. But it is a great it's a great film. Um,
2: Glad I could surprise you uh, a little bit.
0: Yeah. All right. So we'll yeah we'll we'll break it down here. we uh before we wrap up our lists uh, and talk about uh, some of our other films. Um, like I'll just I'm just gonna run through these really quickly. Um, we, we want to talk about overrated films, underrated films, and worst films. My most overrated films, I go by films that won Best Picture, uh, which would mean I, I've got two on this list. For me, it's Birdman, uh, as, is, is one film that it, it's good, it's not great, did not deserve, uh, I felt like it did not necessarily deserve Best Picture, but it's a film about, uh, you know, essentially about itself and uh the academy eats that eats that crap up um and yeah it looks great uh thanks to uh chivo uh emmanuel labeski uh as a cinematographer it's beautiful uh to watch unfold but that is for me that's that's its thing it's one one shot um and like that's all it, it really that's all i really remember from the importance of its of its story uh and then also green book because screw green book green book sucks didn't deserve Best Picture. I'm still bitter. What are you talking about? I don't know. Uh, screw Green Book. That's all I'm going to say. Um, hashtag bitter. <laughs> hashtag bitter. Uh, wow. under, yeah. Underrated films for me. Uh, I also have two here. It's my, this could be my moment to talk about Greta Gerwig and how much I love her and how much I feel even now, even even as she's gotten Lady Bird and uh, has had immense success behind Lady Bird and 20th Century Women. Uh all right, well and is hopefully going to have success with 20 uh with um shit with uh little, women. uh little women 20th century women is one of the films that's under that's on my underrated list uh and her character in that is one of my favorite characters in a film uh ever uh and i like that 20th century women for me that first watch was the day after Trump got elected, and to watch Ooh. these, yeah, well, but the, like it was, it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed in that moment because it's about three women raising uh, a kid, and like together, you've got the mom, and you've got a couple friends, and they help raise this kid uh, who doesn't have a father figure in his life, um, and it's you know three strong, dynamic, independent. Rich women, like, just rich in character. It's, it's very, it was perfect for that moment. And there are definitely some flaws with the film. Uh, it really isn't necessary. It's kind of like Moonlight where it's not necessarily about anything. Uh, but it's still great. And then also Francis Ha. Uh, I just revisited Francis Ha last night, ironically. Um, and because I'm in a Noah Bomback mood. Um, and that's his other, I think that's his other masterpiece besides, um, marriage Story. It's, it's the height, it's one of the best films that the Mumblecore movement has to offer. Probably the best film, uh, which the Mumblecore movement is making films about nothing, essentially. And it just follows this character who's played by Greta Gerwig, uh, over a couple months, years, maybe out of the time isn't really important of her life, just watching her, try and figure things out and it's done like her character is so unique and so authentic uh it helps that it's bomb because like as i said earlier bomb is great at uh writing authentic dialogue but at like it also i've always felt like francis ha is just greta gerwig playing herself um and it's great so and then worst film of the decade for me is i love you daddy y'all remember when that was a thing
2: i do not but oh. i will say that i was correct our worst films are different
0: okay all right i was wondering because this is low-hanging fruit it's louis ck's film that came out right after uh or it was about it was like a week away from its wide release when uh at when the Me Too movement was really getting started and everyone was like, Yeah, Louis C. K. would masturbate in front of me and it was fucked up. Uh pardon my French, but you know, Louis C. K. is what? a what? I don't even yeah. remember this film. Oh my god, yeah. So they canceled. I don't even really remember either. hearing about this film. They they cancelled mm-hmm. the wide release of it, uh, for obvious reasons. And but this film it's about like I'm just gonna read the IMDB description of it. When a successful television writer's daughter becomes the interest of an aging filmmaker with an appalling past, he becomes worried about how to handle the situation. So, Chloe Grace Barrett's falls is falling for, uh, what's his name? John Malkovich, who is clearly playing, uh, Roman Polanski. Like, that is the director when they say, Becomes the interest of an aging filmmaker. It's Roman I don't even Polanski. Think I really need to hear
2: the rest of this story because, yeah. like, right from the. Oh, man, yeah. this just it is so. Sounds...
0: It's Chloe Grace Moretz. She's like Oof. 18 or meant to be 18. And the male gaze is so bad. Like, this is a film that even before the Me Too movement was like, uh, what are you doing? And then, yeah, it's written and directed by Louis C.K. Uh, and. Yeah, obviously Louis C.K. is Louis C.K. Uh, the only thing this movie gave us uh, of any value was a wonderful shot of Pamela Adlin uh, looking disgusted that I have since saved, and it never became a meme. Maybe it will one day, and I'll finally be validated, but uh, uh, I've used it as a disgusted uh, meme for years. Um, yeah, and it was it was positioned as an awards like awardsy film it came out uh or it was supposed to come out in november of that of 2017 um before they canceled it before you know however many women dozens of women accused louis ck of being a creep and an asshole uh and it's oh, it's so bad it's so i had to i i i boot it one film i'm not ashamed at all to say that i bootlegged. um and watched it on my computer and i had to stop at multiple occasions just to like collect myself and be like okay i'm like scream into the pillow is done now we're back to it <laughs> it was an hour and a half and it, no, it was two hours it's a two hour long film and it was the worst two hours of my life so all right peter what you got for your list um
2: okay so my worst movie was also Rolo Low Hanging Fruit. It was The Last Airbender, which came out in 2010, <laughs> I'm pretty sure.
0: <laughs> no, that movie's is, a classic.
2: What are you talking about? <laughs> that movie's trash. It is straight trash. Ugh, I don't even need words. That's it. Um, that's the
0: whole thing. Okay, so my most overrated film
2: um, of the decade was The Revenant.
0: Oh, okay. Another... We both picked on Alejandro Gonzalez in year two with our films. We did. With our overrated did. films. <laughs> yeah, that's it was, a, the, There we go. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with
2: that. Um, I... The movie
0: was pretty. That's what I'll say
2: about that movie. It was That pretty, authentic lighting, though. Um,
0: and that bear. That authentic
2: lighting. Um, I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought... I thought the... I thought the VFX that went into making the bear, I thought that's impressive. Um, I thought the lighting was pretty... Um, I thought Leo did a good job acting. I didn't think it was a great job acting. I thought it was a good job acting. I actually thought Tom Hardy was kind of better, even though you couldn't understand a single word he said. <laughs> um, I thought it was unfortunate that of all the films that Leo could have won his Academy Award for, that was the one. it was this film. Yep. And he only won it because it was a weak year for everyone else. Yep. <laughs> like there was no other stand-up performance. And they're like, cool, Leo, you get it. Um, yeah, I did not like this film at all. And then it was, when it was picking up steam in award season, I was like, oh, no, please, no. And then it did not win the Oscar for Best Picture, and I literally was jumping out of my chair. Um, it yeah. almost did, though. So, but Alejandro Gonzalez ew. in
0: year two did win Best Director.
2: Ugh. Yeah.
0: No. I, yeah.
2: Um, so then my most underrated films, um, I am going to list uh, – uh, there are there a few that I want to list, but I'll limit it to, to – uh, yeah, I'll limit it. Um so the first one is Sam Sarah, which is a documentary that I don't think anyone will probably have heard of.
0: Yeah, I I, I haven't even heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so.
2: Um it there it, it is a documentary there is no narration or dialogue whatsoever. It is just visuals and it is basically eye candy. But it's so good. It was filmed over the course of like 5 years in I can't even remember how many countries, but it's just visuals that kind of loosely thematically tie the film together. Um Watch it if you can. It's called Sam Sara, S-A-M-S-A-R-A. It's beautiful. If you just watch the trailer, you'll be like, yep, I'm sold. Um, and then, uh, oh, gosh, Song of the Sea is a beautiful animated film. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is the funniest film I saw in, like, forever. But the other yes. film is um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty um i think that is a film that is just like an uh, yeah i think that is an underrated and underappreciated gem of a film um particularly for people who daydream and people who like to travel i didn't um what i didn't like it you're wrong um i absolutely i absolutely love this film um yeah it it, like moneyball it's one that i can go back to like endlessly um and it kind of relaxes me and kind of stimulates my brain to be like yeah it's okay to daydream and to like lose focus sometimes. um, But like, it, it's also really good to get out there and do things and travel and explore and experience stuff. Um And, and so I, I, I genuinely just love that film and keep going back to it.
0: All right. I, yeah, I did not, I was not a huge fan of that film, but I also, I only watched it once when it first came out. So maybe I need to revisit it, but um, yeah. What, uh what you got, Julie, what you got? You got anything? Oh, Yes. So, yes okay
1: so my can I go overrated first
0: do it
2: um, I, I did them in however yeah. I wanted yeah
0: okay. do you you do you
1: okay so overrated film I Tanya fair
0: you take that back
1: it was great it was it was a good movie it, it wasn't I mean it I am was hurt wasn't. Um,
0: but I, I am triggered <laughs> okay All I right.
1: had I mean I really had to wreck my brain about you know the films that i've i've seen i've enjoyed um but didn't think that they lived up to my expectations and that was one of them um yeah i really don't have i expected more of it i felt like it just kind of ended for me and i was like okay um but yeah that's my overrated film i don't have i don't have a bunch of opinions because i did go to it i did see it i did like it but it wasn't all that and more for me it's
0: okay. Sorry. you're allowed to be and it, wrong
1: for a lot of people it was <laughs> clearly it was a lot more than I thought um, so this must be on your list Jeff
0: it's it's not but I, if I remember correctly that year it was my number one American made film or number two maybe that the year it came out I don't remember it was it was, yeah, it, I it was up loved there that one. I loved it but what about uh, what about underrated what you got
1: Okay, so this one might come off as a surprise because I've just seen it recently. Um, But The Nice Guys.
0: Okay. No, no, no. um, Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Aim for the bushes. I I approve. (laughs) I approve of that
1: one. (laughs) And Like I said, I was racking my brain. And I, like, thinking back, I knew nothing about this movie um, when it came out. Like, I don't remember seeing commercials for it. I don't remember seeing anything online about it. I don't remember seeing anything about it. Um, And I happened upon it one day, and I watched it. And I actually really liked it. Um, It was funny. You know, it had its moments where it was like, okay, this is, you know, good. I was surprised that I hadn't heard about it. And so that's why I put it on my underrated. Um, I think it was funny. Russell Crowe and... (laughs) Um, ryan gosling an interesting mix yep
0: they had surprisingly good chemistry Though i i I enjoyed
1: they did did, but that was one of those things i was like uh this looks a little like it would be weird and then i watched and i was like huh they actually worked together it was weird um but yeah that's my underrated it's a weird underrated for me i don't know why but when i was thinking about them when you guys told me to think about it, I was like, uh, I guess that's it. Because...
2: No, that's fair. I, I would agree with that one. I would agree with that one. Um, what's your worst?
1: Um, the worst movie? Oh. Um,
2: <laughs> Unless you don't have one, then that's fine. I too. really,
1: honestly, I didn't think about that. Um, the only, and the, I've brought this up several times, but it's not from this decade, but it's still, it still hurts my head, is Burn After Reading. Huh. I mean it's from 2008 so it doesn't fit this decade but it's still it still makes me angry I wasted so much time watching it. <laughs> like, I don't care how You know
2: I'll, I'll accept that. I, that that yeah. answer amuses me so I'll accept that. I don't even care if it's not this decade. <laughs> <laughs> like Fair.
1: the fact that I know it was in 2008 and I wasted that much time I yeah it's still it would take the place of any other movie I saw.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. so we're going to we're going to speed things up here a little yes. bit. Cause yeah, we got, we're That's timing. A lot of it. <laughs> um, all right. So I've actually, my next three films are all foreign films. Um, so they kind of all go together and I'm not sure if, well, I'm, I have a feeling one might overlap, but I don't know about the other two. Um, so the first one I'll talk about, uh, is Shoplifters, uh, from, it's a film from last year, uh, from director Hirokazu Koreeda. Uh, it, it's, it was, I think it's a it one palm to or can, uh, last year. And I think it's one of the, uh, uh, one of the reasons that I, like one of my gateways into foreign film, uh, which I have now watched immensely over the last couple years and have seen the, uh, uh, the wonders or the last year and have seen the wonders and beauty and, uh, the un-American <laughs> inspirations of foreign film. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it, it, shoplifters was that gateway and it's really really good i mean it's like the closest thing that i could think of of would be like a noah bomback kind of comparison and with with very genuine and uh interesting and authentic dialogue um with very relatable characters um so or, or very uh grounded characters um then the other film from last year um uh, uh, that, um, would be on my list, uh, would be Roma, uh, Alfonso Coran's yeah, okay. Roma. i th- that one had we have overlap, right?
2: No, we do not have overlap, we do not, but I remember how much you loved that one. And yeah, I, I do appreciate. I mean, if if Children of Men had been this decade, I would have put it on, but it yeah, not this decade,
0: yeah, in- initially, uh, um. Roma and Gravity were both on this list, but then I decided. I'm
2: amazed you did not put
0: Gravity. Yeah, but I decided the one the the director who would get the overlap is Damien Chazelle, not uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Um, but yeah, Roma, masterpiece of filmmaking, and that one is one that I would put on this list from a technical standpoint because it is incredible, and I'm sad that it was on Netflix, so so many people watched it on their couches and laptops and not in a theater. That is definitely a film that should be watched in the in the theater uh, because it. I mean, it's just such a technical marvel. Um, and then from this year, uh, again, the film that won Palme d'Or can this year, uh, Parasite, uh, makes my makes my list. It's it's a phenomenal phenomenal film, and the fact that it's winning as many awards as it is right now this award season. Uh, and is likely on its way to being, uh, nominated for Best Picture, which would be the first film from an, an, I think any Asian country, not just Korea, any Asian country to be nominated for, uh, a Best Picture Oscar. Uh, and not only is it gonna likely get nominated, people are actually starting to say, you know, this thing might actually win Best Picture, um, which would be wild if it did. Uh, but it's from, uh, Bong Jun Ho, uh, who has directed other films like Okja and Mother and, um Snowpiercer. uh, Snowpiercer, which at least was on Netflix. That's, I watched it on Netflix. I think, I know Okja is because it's a Netflix film. Um, but it's also wild. It, the less you know about Parasite going in, the better. But just know that the name Parasite does not imply that it's a horror film. It's more of a class, uh, class film. About uh, a lower class family integrating themselves with an upper class family, and chaos ensues. And it's great. Um, Peter, uh, what are what about your other three films before we get to your film of the decade? What else you got?
2: Yeah. So my next three are. Uh, I'll start with The Big Short. Um, it, that that movie really surprised me when it came out. Um, I I didn't have any clue what to expect going in. Um, and then I thought the acting was great. I thought the editing was really, really unique um, and kind of revolutionary, um, particularly in like a major film. Um, I, I, yeah, I thought it just worked on a surprising level. And I thought it was very impactful and very important um, to tell kind of that story of the 2008 financial crisis. Cause yay. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was a very important film and surprised me in a lot of ways, particularly the editing. I thought it was really, really, um, like innovative in the way they you edited and told that story. Um, the next one is, uh, Arrival, um, which if I'm not mistaken is from the same year, um, and kind of brought even wider acclaim to Denis Villeneuve, um, in his directing prowess. Um, I thought Arrival was just phenomenal from start to finish um uh, it's based on a short story
0: they're yeah. a year apart for the record oh they're uh, a year apart yeah okay. i was like that doesn't sound right 20 i think 2015 was the year of the deck uh was the best year for the uh of the decade uh i was like i don't remember arrival being in that list too but go yeah keep going <laughs> yeah yep
2: um oh, oh hell or high water and rival those two were the same year so yeah my, yeah okay um, anyway, so yeah, so Arrival, it, it kind of reintroduced, it, 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 like, brought wider acclaim to Denis Villeneuve, um, it's based off a short story that I think is wonderful, um, I thought the acting was really great, but I thought that the way it told a, a story kind of in, in a circle almost, or kind of inferring things were out of time, um, and I thought the whole thing about, that the story was essentially about language, um, I thought, and, and, like, learning to communicate, I thought that was really, really fascinating and really important um currently like today um so plus i i just i love science fiction so much and I, I saw this theater in this in the theaters with my brother and like heading into the final act of that film there was a moment where our jaws dropped and i looked at him and his jaw was dropped i'm like okay cool it's not just me and we just they stayed that way for like 20 minutes it was that's awesome our minds <laughs> um and so then the, the last of, of these three um I have to do it. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse.
0: <laughs> um, it, I was wondering I, if I was going to make it. It,
2: it. Yeah, it, it had to it, like th- this movie was almost my top film. Um, it, it just, this movie, <laughs> this movie has no right to be as good as it is. Like Sony was botching the Spider-Man property. They didn't know what they were doing. And then they're like, you know what? We're going to do an animated film. We're going to do it about a different Spider-Man, not Peter Parker. We're gonna innovate animation while doing it, and we're gonna double down on Spider-Man. We're gonna have like six of them, and I'm like, and it works, and it doesn't just work, it exceeds. The film is stunning. It is beautiful. It uh, there's nothing else that looks like it in animation. The story is phenomenal. Like it makes you feel things. It's it's a great origin for for Miles Morales and getting that story told. I could just go on all day about this film. It's just so, so, so good. So, and, yeah, that's th- – those are the – And with
0: what, those – yeah, I just, with those three wrapped up, I have a feeling. I know what you're – ha- I have a feeling our film of the decade is going to be the same.
2: It very well could be. I, <laughs> I think, well think it's yeah. so, so The Big but, Short and Arrival and Spider-Man's the Spider-Verse, yeah. those three are just – some not, pretty solid films
0: not planned and peter we are way too insane. sick it's creepy <laughs> uh julie we'll, we'll what, have to
2: wait until julie lists hers to yeah, find out if we're yeah. the
0: same
1: okay so my last three are gone girl
0: okay um, all right
1: i <laughs> obviously it didn't bring me joy but it was good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> fair uh, I it mean it could movie. bring you
2: joy I'm, I'm not going to judge it's, That would be it. <laughs> Um
1: But it was a good movie It stuck out to me It's another one of those I keep saying I've watched it several times I enjoy it every time It it was just a good movie um, Drive
0: Oh that almost made my list Almost um,
1: Obviously I apparently have a thing for Ryan Gosling um, I had no Which, idea fair. what it was about Um <laughs> No idea what it was about when I watched it. Um, nor did I realize it was going to be very silent. But it was a good movie. It and this is very like these last three I feel are very different from all my other ones. That's why I kind of saved them. Um, also, it didn't really bring me joy. It was a little violent, um, but it was good. And I've I have it. It's one I don't have many DVDs anymore. And all of the movies that I've listed, I have on DVD and i think that's kind of a big deal if you think about it um
0: easy rewatchability factor
1: yeah i mean not many people have dvds anymore they have netflix hulu disney plus um and everything <laughs> else so it's i you know when i actually i turned a bunch of my movies into a resale store in nashville and because they just took up room but there were certain ones i picked to keep with me and all of these movies i have i believe <laughs> yeah, I think I do. I'm I'm like I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure I have all of them on D V D. Um and then my last one is Django Unchained. Alright.
0: Oh, I could okay, I yeah. could appreciate yeah.
1: Um it's probably my favorite favorite of the Tarantino movies, if I'm gonna be honest. Um fair. <laughs> uh and so it's once again one of the ones that didn't really bring me joy. Um it brought me a lot of blood and... Uh, blood, you know, sweat, and tears. Death. <laughs> and and death. <laughs> you know, bullet holes and things like that. Um, but, you know, I w- when I first started watching his movies, like I think *Inglorious Bastards and things like that. So obviously I knew what I was getting into. Um, but I, like the parts that weren't um, gory and, you know, blood-ridden and everything else, it kept my interest the entire time. Um, and the characters were... Very charismatic and things like that. It's it. Obviously, these three were very different from all the rest of mine, but I enjoyed it just as much as, you know, Toy Story 3. Maybe not as much as Toy Story <laughs> 3. <laughs> that's, that's a bold <laughs> statement.
0: <laughs>
1: but they obviously stuck with me. And like I said, if I have yeah. them on DVD still, they're, they definitely should be on this list.
0: Well, uh, Julie, since... Peter and my our since our movies is going to be the same. Uh, almost what, for sure. Do you want yeah. to go first? Well, no. Yeah. So Julie, do you want to go first?
1: <sighs> Pardon me? I,
0: what's your movie Pardon of the me. decade? Oh. We're here. We've arrived. It's, it has come the time. All, has all of come. a
2: sudden the pressure is all on Julie. It's been, it's, it's, it's been all like Joe me, leading and off. And then sure. it's like, no, nope, no, nope, Julie, yeah. you're starting this one.
1: <laughs> okay. So Joe, you talked about this movie. Um, 20th century women <gasps> oh okay
0: i have li- okay julie i love you <laughs> 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 yes uh
1: you probably didn't Gr- expect that from i you. did
0: not expect that wow yeah greta Greta's um, my background on my phone that uh greta's character in that because i just yeah love her so much
1: it was just a, such a good movie um once again, not, I didn't expect to love it as much as I do. And it's one that, you know, it was interesting to see, um, you know, they helped raise the boy and they were in it's, different, you know, the soundtrack and... is so
0: good. It's like the soundtrack, the like, I, I love the editing There there's a very limited score in it. Uh, but the score mm-hmm. that is there is so good it's so yeah. mood and atmospheric and oh yeah oh my god it's so good i'm so i'm so happy i <laughs> that, that may that's your film of the decade it's like it like, might be
1: a weird one i mean if i if i had to go and pick one it would probably be that one but i mean i probably could have taken several of mine from my list and probably been able to justify it probably just toy story if i'm being real honest either toy story yeah. or social network as the other contenders um but yeah, I feel uh, confident in my choice. Yeah,
0: so. have, I'm not gonna dispute that. Um, but yes, our the film that Peter and I are barreling towards is our film of the decade. Which actually, Peter, I'm surprised that it's yours. I'm just assuming. We, I mean, we're, uh, we're still assuming we're I at the am, same film. I'm just I'm just owning it because if it didn't make your list at all, I'd be ashamed uh and it of course is spotlight yes yeah yes yeah. I, yes <laughs> <laughs> yep 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 i was like there's I, no way i was waiting for it to be on your list i'm surprised that you had it as your film of the decade but
2: i was surprised you had it as your film of the decade i was expecting <laughs> you to go with like I, I honestly i was expecting you to go with la la Land or gravity yeah one of those heard... two films i was expecting to be your top film
0: yeah uh well no this this you know I when I when we went into this I said I was talking about films that have resonated that I've revisited and and have have left a, a mark on me no film ever has left a mark on me as much as Spotlight did yeah it's not it's not just the subject material it's 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 how they show the subject material how they show these journalists pouring over tens of thousands of pages worth of of raw data uh, and like how they make that interesting. Um, I've seen other films that have similar kind of uh, uh, premises and yeah, similar concepts that they have to show and they don't do them anywhere near as well as Tom McCarthy did with Spotlight. Um, and yeah. And then that combined with its subject material and the the characters are so grounded it's my favorite Stanley Tucci performance ever by far is him in, in spotlight. And like, ugh, yeah, I, I revisited it. I, I, have you revisited it? revisited it recently, like in the last, whatever, you know, last six months or something.
2: Yeah. I, I rewatched this one with actually with some regularity, like, yeah. um,
0: yeah, I just revisited it, uh, maybe a month or so ago. Um, And had forgotten just how, like, I mean, I'd almost say pulse pounding some of those, some of these really mundane, or at least on the surface, mundane sequences really are. They're just so, they're, they're like, so adrenaline inducing, hearing people talk about counter motions and like, it's just, it's. And then the 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 scene with the uh, getting someone from the other side, like how emotional that sequence was. What what uh, uh, what Walter Robinson, Michael Keaton's character, was asking his friend to do is you know understandably like the hardest thing that he's probably ever had to do in his career. Which is which is confirmed that they had yeah you know, they confirmed from the church that they had all these, all these priests um, that they were all they were all uh, uh, sexually um, uh, molesting kids, and like that. Like you understand where that guy is coming from, and you understand how difficult that scene had to have been um, in real life, and it feels like that, like that story was as loyal to the subject as they possibly could. Uh, as they could get um like there doesn't like it never felt to me like there was anything in spotlight that was dramatized um that it it feels real from start to finish i don't know if you feel that same way but um yeah
2: yeah (laughs) yeah i i own this on blu-ray and and I've watched some of the featurettes and some of the interviews and behind the scenes things that they did and, and one of the things that they really wanted to stress when they were making this film was they they like of course there's some slight dramatization because you can't not when making a movie. It you're compressing the thing into a short amount of time, you have to simplify some things. Yeah, so I, I was just really impressed with, with kind of their devotion to making it as accurate as it as it could be.
0: Right down to shooting like, a lot eat. of it at um, at the Boston Globe. Most of this film yeah, is shot. Yeah, they shot a
2: lot of it at the Globe. Yeah. Um, but they also shot a lot of it, like, they, they had a lot of firsthand access to the reporters. Um, yeah. Like, the actual reporters and editors themselves. Um, so they followed them around and um, got to kind of interview them and kind of learn what they were doing and what they were going through. And all, and, and learn kind of more about them and their mannerisms and how they would go about some things. So they, they had a, a lot of untethered access to them, which I thought was really really wonderful. Cause it's not just kind of going hearsay or maybe meeting the person once like, no, no, no. They had like prolonged exposure to these actual journalists to understand how, how, how the whole thing went down. And and then the journalists kind of got to give their seal of approval for the film. So like in terms of like film portrayals and, and like film liberties, like this is pretty, like pretty damn accurate, of course, condensed, but like pretty damn accurate for for what they went through and and kind of how they broke the story and how they got it released and like that whole process and I I, I remember I remember I was living in Los Angeles when I saw this and I went and I saw I saw it by myself in the theater and I think it was me and like uh, a one middle aged woman or kind of elderly woman like five rows ahead of me something like that <laughs> I think we were the only two people in the theater I swear <laughs> um, and I remember. The film ended, and it gets to the credits, and it just hits you, yeah, so hard at the end of that film. And then they, and I thought I thought the score for this film was also it's like so good. a very, like it's it mostly so, piano, but I, I yeah. thought it was a very underappreciated score because yeah. I don't think it got any nominations for anything. No.
0: Um, and the set design, this is one of the best set designs of the entire decade, and it did not get nominated for set design. The
2: set design and and the um the costumes, character design, yeah. I thought like kind of having them dressed down um, yep. was really excellently yep. done. And but the, the, the messiness, yeah, I, I remember, and, yeah, it's I so remember getting to the end, getting like the, the film ends, and that the score comes in and it's just playing and they're going through the list of, yeah. of all the countries where they, the cities and the countries where where yeah. getting sim- similar just instances about have been that. reported, and I I just remember sitting without moving. <laughs> Through the entire credits, and sometimes like you're you're looking like you're like listening to the to the music, or you get up and you leave right away. But like I remember just being like, Whoa, and yeah. just kind of feeling like like you were just hit by a like a hundred pounds of bricks, and you actually couldn't get up. I thought that was so. Yeah, th- this film has resonated with me more than any other film this decade, yep. and and it also really gave like impressed the importance of investigative journalism for me, which is why I I give a lot of credits to reporters currently with all like the shit show that is the world currently and kind of what they're doing and and the stories they're breaking. So this, this film kind of gave me a new, a new, a new level of of appreciation for them, but it's also just resonated with me. Like kind of, yeah. Like the first time I saw it, it resonated with me a ton and and it has continued to, It, it is no film has even for a moment kind of eclipsed that. Yeah. Um, which is why even though I loved Spider-Verse or I thought Arrival made my jaw drop or I think Short-Term 12 has some of the best acting I've ever seen, Mahershala Ali and Moonlight, nothing could compare to Spotlight because it just kind of, the the initial impression and the continued impression has just sat above everything and nothing has even come close to yeah. really kind of eclipsing that.
0: Yeah. Well, I I'm glad I'm glad our opinions aligned on that because it is it's definitely a film that I will continue to re- revisit for decades to come. Um
2: I may revisit tonight yeah, cuz I just learned go. it's on Netflix here too.
0: Oh, look at you. Well, uh we lost Julie unfortunately. She had to she had to go. She's she's got prior prior engagements and we went way longer than we anticipated. So we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> but if you're still here, Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on this journey with us and hearing about our favorite films of the year, of the decade. Uh, and hopefully we'll get back to doing this more often because we definitely want to, I definitely want to talk about my favorite films of 2019 and, uh, try and, try and talk about some of the award stuff because this is, this is my favorite time of year. I love award season and we are in the height of it. So. so
2: yes well we we may have to wait until after the new year because i don't know what people's travel plans are but yeah. i'm sure that the audience can expect us back in the new year with some good content
0: let's yep yep that that's for certain uh but yeah until then uh have a very fun and happy holiday season and we will be you soon. peace out